of Anger Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. I'm your host, Amanda Starling, here to talk to you about all things intersectional feminism, DIY, and of course the music. I hope you're all doing okay, staying safe and healthy. I feel like August was a blink and you miss it month with just so much happening music-wise and on a much larger global scale too. Um, I really wish things would settle down, so um, I probably will be taking a break here in mid-September to kind of recharge my batteries. Just as a heads up for everybody, I'm okay. I just, uh, yeah, it's been a busy time with my day job, with um, balancing my physical and mental health, and also um, I feel like for some reason there's always just something to do right now, which is, I guess, better than feeling like there's nothing to do. But that's okay. Um, but yeah, I'm going to recharge my batteries for probably a couple weeks here in September. Um, I promise I'll still try my best to be active on social media. And I'm probably still going to be booking and recording episodes. I just need to kind of put more energy into that for a little bit. But yeah, um, just got to stay energized, stay upbeat, stay stay chill. And um, that's this is how we do it. Just taking breaks every now and then, doing a little bit of uh, self-care and stuff. So I encourage everybody to keep doing that through this time especially. Um, but I have to tell you, listening back to this week's guest was pretty energizing for me. Uh, I was joined by Natasha, Nicole, and Greg of White Patrol, who have this incredible energy and power behind their music. They're a band that co-writes and collaborates through every step of the songwriting, and it really makes their music all the richer and more meaningful. White Patrol joined this week to share their record, Too Prickly for This World, their early love of, of music. Their matching last names, high school flashbacks, torch, and so much more. So with that, let's hear more Wife Patrol and then get into the interview. You don't want me. This is just your greed, your greed. And I'm just a trophy for private viewing only.
Welcome, Wife Patrol, to Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. How are things going? Things are going okay. I feel like that's the best, that is the best I can give for personal and just life. It's like, things are going okay. We got this new album coming out that we're excited about. We've been able to practice together a couple of times after months of not being able to see each other, but watching a lot of movies together via, you know, online conversation. Um, but yeah, I'd say things are okay. Yeah, things are okay. We're, um, for those listening, you might hear a little bit of wind. We are reaching you from <laughs> the porch. Um, we're recording ourselves out on the front porch. So you may hear a little road noise. You may hear a little wind, but we're enjoying the sunshine and the breeze and, uh, the flowers and, uh, trees surrounding us. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I know my listeners will not be able to see this video, but your porch is cute. Thank you. <laughs> it's really nice. Thank you. <laughs> it looks like a beautiful day. And y'all are in Indianapolis, right? Yeah. Yes. yes. Looks like a beautiful day where you're at, for sure. <laughs> Sometimes I just like to pretend I'm back in February and I'm suddenly getting a glimpse of the present and I'm wearing a surgical mask on my porch, talking into a microphone, <laughs> looking at a... Looking at a computer inside the house while we're all on the porch. Yeah. It's like, what a world. <laughs> <laughs> totally. It feels surreal, doesn't it? Yes. Yes. Back to simpler times. Yeah. Or were they? February. <laughs> <laughs> or were they is definitely accurate. <laughs> yeah. um, if y'all don't mind actually kind of introducing each each other for our listeners and stuff, um, who you are and what instrument you play in Wife Patrol. I'm ready this time. They always make me go first. <laughs> I thought you were looking at me to go. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I just wanted you to know I'm ready this time. Okay. I'm Nicole, and I play bass and sing in Wife Patrol. And I'm Natasha, and I play drums and sing in Wife Patrol. I'm Greg. I play guitar and sing. In, in Wife, Wife Patrol. Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> in, a, in another band. I'm just, I was walking by the house and decided to hop in on the interview. <laughs> That would have been a wild like situation, seriously. <laughs> I'm wondering, with all our neighbors walking past, if anyone will just yell at us. I know, I'm kind of curious to see if somebody does walk by at some point and see y'all yeah. on the porch in your masks and mics. <laughs> yeah, like, what on earth? What's exactly. On? Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, this, like, garden tundra kind of yeah. hides us well. Otherwise, so. we, look, we look like we're plotting or something, or... Are we fomenting some kind of discord up there on the porch? <laughs> Definitely fomenting. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I'm really excited to chat with y'all. Um, I kind of always like to open with this kind of question about how did you each first begin to like play music? And were there any artists or musicians that motivated you to kind of keep practicing and keep playing? My first instrument was the clarinet in school. And I can't say too many motivating things about that experience in life. Uh, I just, I wanted to play the saxophone. I saw Bill Clinton on the Arsenio Hall show playing and I thought it looked cool. <laughs> I was young. I only knew so much. Um, but I was too small for the sax and they're like, you can play the clarinet and switch later. But like, y'all, when parents buy you an instrument, they're not switching later. So <laughs> I was stuck with that through high school. But then also at some point in high school, I started to become familiar with the bass guitar. Uh, there was a jazz band at my school where someone played, and then I went to a summer program where another guy was playing it, and I was like, that looks cool. There's only four strings. 
And then I saw the Josie and the Pussycats movie and was like, oh my gosh, Rosario Dawson is playing the bass and she's a woman of color. And I really sort of saw myself in that experience of women playing music together and asked my mom for a bass. She tricked me by saying that she went to the store and they were out. So I was really sad. But then <laughs> she does things like this all the time. Like, this is what she does. Um, they were fresh sold out of bases. Right. Sorry. I had like gone out and like, this is the one I want. And she was like, I went there and it was gone and they didn't have it. And I was really sad. And then on Christmas Day, after I'd opened all my other presents, she was like, oh, there's something in the dining room. And there was the bass. So that's Wait, how I started playing bass. Which, which bass was that? Do you remember what kind it was? It was the red and white uh, Jay Reynolds bass that was like a knockoff of a Fender P bass. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how I started playing bass. And I don't know. It's been a journey since then. I took some time off in college. I wanted to play in college, but a lot of the dudes around were kind of like, oh, you play, that's cool, and didn't really take it seriously. So it wasn't until much later that I actually got back to playing and met up with these folks, and we kind of made a joke about starting a band and completely ended up following through on it. <laughs> that, that joke. Yeah. <laughs> totally. That's a great joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, I didn't even know some of those things, Nicole. So it's cool to hear that about uh, your, your journey. Yeah, I know. That's so funny. <laughs> Got to keep it fresh, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Got to so... keep you guys on your toes. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so the first instrument that I played um, was saxophone. It was something that I played in school. And um, I guess actually on our first, uh, or I guess second EP, the first studio EP that we put out um I do play saxophone on on that um which was cool to be able to like bring that old the instrument from like this very like far away part of my life into what we're doing with Wife Patrol um and when I started playing drums it was basically like when this band formed so I've just been learning drums as I go as you know I'm learning songwriting and and working together um, with the band. I started playing guitar as a, a kid. My parents didn't make me take music lessons, and it's kind of something I use to guilt them with now because I've been playing instruments since I was like 12 years old or something. I was like, imagine how good I could be if you'd made me play piano. But I'm sure if they'd made me, I would have hated it. So, But... um started playing gets my brother had a, a little child's acoustic guitar that I would sneak into his closet and play and I think like um, influence wise I just really liked metal and wanted to learn metal riffs and play those and as I kind of grew up a little bit more that's when I started having broader interest in music and learning other sorts of things and learning other instruments but that's uh, that's kind of the, the beginnings, I guess. I love that. That's so amazing. And I'm so glad to hear that everybody's kind of got their own influences and ways that they kind of came into it. So now you mentioned that White Patrol kind of started as a joke, but I kind of want to hear the joke. What's the origin story for y'all? <laughs> so the joke really comes from the fact that we all have the same last name. All of us have the last name O'Neill albeit not all spelled the same. And so the joke was something like, want to start a family band? And 
then we met up and practiced and it was really fun to play together. <laughs> and so we just kept doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Going from like joking about family band to end up having this really awesome band, by the way. <laughs> um. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's funny because I think that used to be like our only sort of thing. Like when we first started playing together, we we're like, what can we say about ourselves? It's unique. And it's like, we all have the same last name. <laughs> And it's like, no, we have more interesting things to say about ourselves now that it's been a few years. So, so we don't say it as much. But yeah, we, we all strangely have the same last name. That's just, wow, strange and serendipitous for sure. Yes. <laughs> I love it. How'd y'all na- land on the name Wife Patrol? <laughs> um. I feel like we were just brainstorming through lists of of names. Um, There were a lot of different options, things that we, you know, that there was not consensus on or that we didn't all agree on. Um, And then even just down to like Googling, like does another band already have this name that we're thinking of? And I don't really remember like what, what some of the iterations were. I think some like play on the last name like the o's or something was like one of the things that we talked about we, we but... tried real hard to make that work and it just kept being lame so yeah. we couldn't do anything with our last name even yeah. though we all had the same last name yeah i think we wanted like at one point the o nose came up because yeah. like nicole and i both have n as like our first initial so like oh no um <laughs> speaking of oh no wind the wind, the wind picked Gale up force winds yeah we need um you know, one of those like dead cat microphone covers. Uh, what? To stave off the yeah, I know Not nothing about this dead cat thing. So you know those really like fuzzy gray microphone covers. Oh, like the giant ones. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. But like we need one that's like the size of these mics. I'm sensitive to cats these days. Because that know. like uh, it, I don't know, keeps the wind sound down. Anyway. I didn't hear it, so y'all are good. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't come through to like blustery sounding okay yeah good um so yeah we went down this long list of names kept like cross-checking the internet seeing if we were like accidentally borrowing someone else's name and the name that we were most excited about was was wife patrol and it wasn't already taken and we're like okay well that's perfect there's an ambiguity to it that seems to like intrigue people and kind of almost be a lit, not not litmus test. What is what's what am I thinking of? Rorschach. Rorschach test, yeah. yeah. Of like kind of seeing it as a you know, how you want to interpret the name. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, people have come up with way better reasons for the name than we ever did. And yeah. it's really I'm really impressed with some of them. They like have this very specific theme and sometimes it's like super feminist. I'm like, that's awesome. I wish we had come up with all of those I things. Know, it's just mm-hmm. us sitting but, in a room bullshitting like yeah. different names to use. And it, you know, have you ever tried to come up with a, a band name or I guess you came up with the name of this podcast. So, which is great. Yeah. Did you go through a lot of names or no, not really. It was one of those things where I was just like, I don't know what the hell to call this thing. And I was just looking for, I think for me, it was like, what is like the most like feminist sounding thing that I can remember that kind of got me into like, independent music and stuff. I'm like, duh, 10 things I hate about you. And I was actually yeah. like watching 10 things I hate about you one night while I was trying to come up with a name for the podcast. And I heard like Joseph Gordon-Levitt reciting Cat's Interest. And I'm like, oh shit, this is it. And I'm like, I don't care that 
care if it's a mouthful. It's literally encompassing everything that I am as a person and everything I want to say. But I think that I tried to come up with band names once because I was bored. And my favorite one was Wine Mom. And it was spelled Ooh, like that's a good one. to wine. So it was like Wine Mom. So that was the best one I came up with. And uh, nobody steal that because that's if I ever start a band. <laughs> that's my name. <laughs> We've had Just go ahead and park it on Twitter. Yes. Yeah, I probably should. (laughs) We were talking to some band when we played in Ohio. Was it in Ohio that uh, we talked to them and the name that one woman had come up with that I loved? Oh, yeah. That was in Cincinnati. Yeah, Yes, it was. At Lady Fest. Yeah, we probably can't say it because they want to use it. Oh, okay. (laughs) Sorry. It'll just have to remain cryptic then. It's great, audience. Scratch that from the record. Yes. Yeah. I love it. What's like the quirkiest or most unusual explanation somebody has tried to give you for your band name? Hmm. I can't really remember. Yeah, I can't either. I mean, because I mean, they're, usu- wants- they're usually said to us like right after we get off stage and you're just like, oh, OK, thank yeah. you. That's I mean, that's that sounds great. You I'm carrying heavy stuff. So, Thank right. you. <laughs> Did, didn't somebody yeah. somebody once misheard it as White Patrol? Oh yeah, and that's we were happened like, before. No, <laughs> no. Like, that is a definite. That was a very no, 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 no. That was a very yeah. collar tucking moment for us. Like, yeah. no, no, oh, yeah. that's not it. That's not it. Then one yeah. time it was miswritten on an event as White Patrol, like wipe your butt, White Patrol. Oh my god. So, that was entertaining. Oh, I'm glad I missed that. I don't even remember that. Yeah, I didn't see that. White Patrol. That's White like the Patrol. worst name ever. <laughs> I hope that didn't happen to a lot of people. Oh, gosh. I'd like to listen to a band more, but their name is gross. White Patrol. It kind of sounds like a 12-year-old boy came up. <laughs> yes, it does. It yeah. does. That's a 12-year-old study hall name right there. Yeah. I will say 10 Things I Hate About You is one of my top favorite movies. So I was super excited. I was going to say, as soon as you mentioned yes. that, I was like, oh, that's the official. Well, that's the second official movie of the band. Josie and the Pussycats being the first official. Yes. That is where I learned about Letters to Cleo. And then Kay Hanley from Letters to Cleo played the singing voice of Josie on Josie and the Pussycats. Oh, my gosh. That's so amazing. I didn't actually know that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, that was um, childhood. Amanda's feminist awakening was definitely 10 things I hate about you. Yes. yes. Um, if anything, I have those moments where I'm like, how did I end up this way? I'm like, well, you watch that movie every time it came on TV. So <laughs> that that plus Daria is how I really survived high school. I was like, oh, I actually don't have to care and I don't actually have to like the people around me. This is great. <laughs> there was actually a period in high school. I was in marching band and all the marching band kids would sit together. And one day I just looked around and I'm like, I don't even like these people. I was like, I, we spend so much time together. Sorry, sorry like if anybody people. who I was in marching band listens. <laughs> if we were friends, you know who you are. But for the most part, I'm like, we all not, spend you know who you are. so much time together already. You have like band class during the day. You got practice after school. You got weekends. And I was just like, I don't want to be around this group all the time. And I just got up and left one day and like sat at a table with a kid who would literally like, sit at the table with his head down all day and i was like that is my person this is where i'm gonna be band, so that was someone, fun as someone who was never in band band always seemed like kind of a very insular uh group of people hmm. like you could not penetrate that group Oof. yeah i had one friend who was in band and it was like i think sometimes it felt more like an acquaintance because they were so insular they were always together in oh, the- yeah. 
always. And it was like, y'all don't want to like take a break for like five minutes. <laughs> exactly. I was like, we need some space. I already have to see you all day. I have to see you every day, except for like Sunday. Like we're taking a break. Yeah. No offense to band kids listening, but y'all are, y'all are interesting. And I like talking to you for that reason. When you want to talk to me. <laughs> hundreds of other kids in school. Come talk to us. Well, I was just going to say, I don't relate to this conversation very much because there were 200 kids in my high school period. And so everyone was with everyone all the time. We were in band together. We were on the sports teams together. We were in the musical together. Like there just weren't enough kids to go around to have like a pocket here and a pocket there. <laughs> Nicole, I had nowhere to go if I decided <laughs> that I just didn't like the people. <laughs> it's funny because now even when I think about it, one of my favorite like young adult books during that time was called Sloppy First by Megan McCafferty. And in that book, spoiler alert, the character like her epiphany is when she's just like i don't really like my friends <laughs> and like yeah. and the story kind of goes from there and i was like yes i read the entire series <laughs> sloppy first yes and that would be a good name for band and that's why the album is called too prickly, too prickly. for this world yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're finding the true origin story for this album right now yes. yeah there it is <laughs> i love it yeah, I don't know. I think I've had a lot of those epiphanies recently with like, so my 10 year high school reunion, I think it's supposed to be next year or whatever. I haven't heard anything on it, but a lot of people are starting to bring that up. I feel like in general who graduated in the same year as me, it's like, are you going to go to your 10 year? And I'm just like, I don't think so. I don't think anybody there would like me now because I'm very different from who I am, who I was then. I was yeah. very, uh, very agreeable back then, not so much now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm too feminist now. I think I would scare a lot of people. And <laughs> I definitely skipped mine. I don't think I even. I don't think I even considered going. <laughs> I got the invite and was like, nah. <laughs> I did you? You didn't go, right? Wait, no, you um, did. I went to. I had a five year, and I don't know. I would. I think it would be a challenge for people to find me. For the next one at this point i feel like not an accident yeah it's like too far flung um from my tiny hometown in rural nebraska um so yeah i don't know i don't know if they could find me i did go to the five year and the 10 year and interestingly that was why i signed up for facebook like back in whenever that was 2000, oh, wow. 2007 or eight or something but um uh, the Facebook group exploded into uh, <gasps> acrimony and arguments. <laughs> so so <laughs> I don't know that there will ever be another Greenwood High School reunion for the class of 2000. It, it was that, like, oh, no. intense. Yeah. That's every Facebook group, by the way. Yeah, that's true. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um. Well, if anything, I have a feeling that the internet will be very kind to your new release because it's freaking awesome. Oh, thank oh, you. Thank, thank you. you. That's so it's so it's so good. I'm really excited. It's out in September, so that's going to be a nice um, addition here to the summer. Um, I kind of want to hear a little bit about your influences for the record because I I've read that y'all are really into like punk and grunge and like 70s rock and all that just bleeds in so beautifully into this record so i'm kind of curious like did you have any specific influences for you as you were putting it together 
Ooh. That's a lot. Um, I'll say, so one of the songs, or the I guess the first single that we put out from the album is called Let's Hang Out. And I know in particular with that one, um, there's this kind of open jam when the song starts before it becomes what it becomes. And for me, that influence came specifically from listening to a Vancouver band called The Courtney's. And um, I love that band. I just think they're so much fun and they're so just specific and to the point about what they sing about. Um, but they often have songs where there's just sort of this jam happening that just extends for a while and then just sort of just slides into either the first verse or the melody of the, of the song. And I really wanted to try that, uh, see if I could like, if we could put that into a song. And so that, that was one influence for sure for that song. Um, and in general, I mean, when I'm thinking about stuff for this band, like I love Slater Kenny. I love that they're another three piece band and they fill out sound so well. I mean, obviously I know now they have some extra members and things like that, especially when they go on tour, but for the most part, it's a threesome. And I love just the way that they, um, the way that they put their songs together and the way that everybody sings at different times. And that's something I find super inspiring and have put to use in this band. Like a couple weeks ago, someone's like, as the lead singer of Wife Patrol. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. I would never call myself the lead singer of this band. Everybody in this band sings, whether it's at the same time or not at the same time, whether it's the same words or not the same words. We all have um, the ability to sing in this band, and and that's really important to me. Um, and it's just funny too, even at like gigs sometimes when they're trying to set stuff up. They're like, "So who all needs microphones?" And we're like, "Everybody." And they're like, "Even the drummer." And we're like, "Everybody." You know, like <laughs> you have to say like, "Yes, yeah, the drummer, drummer too." <laughs> yeah, I do. Sorry. Everybody <laughs> needs a vocal mic. And yeah. does it need to be as loud? Like there's like they need to be able to hear us all because we all sing. We all need microphones, you know, like just do it. And if we yeah. could all get a monitor, that'd be great. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so I would say that some of uh, a an influence that I would be remiss not to mention as we're talking um, to a podcast based in Florida is the band Torch, um, which is so I mean, they're so heavy, but so melodic at the same time. And that's something I think that. Um, I really gravitate toward, um, and <laughs> I wonder, like, what their experience is going through uh, sound check to be such a heavy band, but to really need to hear their vocals because they are so melodic. Um, One of the times that I saw them, it was like a pretty long sound check. It seemed like getting them like all situated and stuff. I saw them at like this like small bar in Tampa, and I was just kind of that it was such an intense but beautiful setup and the quality of it was just out of this world because you have to be able to capture kind of like what you're talking about with like the the vocals but also just the heaviness and like Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. there's just so much going on in their music torch is fantastic and like i feel like you kind of have some of those elements in your songs too like opening this record and stuff in particular was like oh this is gonna be heavy <laughs> that was like my reaction the first, when i when i heard why do i keep doing this to myself i was just kind of like oh this is gonna be a fun record because i can tell this is gonna go many places and it's gonna get heavy and it's gonna get thick and sometimes it might get a little bit just like all over the place and i yeah, loved yeah. it 
awesome. That's great. I like that you specifically brought that up. Yes, yeah. I love love Torch. They're awesome. Greg, what about you? What are some influences? Uh, Weird Al. Weird Al. Yeah. <laughs> I I would say every time I play guitar, it's it's almost always just unconsciously referring back to what I listened to most and tried to learn most when I was younger. And for so long, like, Kim Deal has been a, an idol of mine, like, since high school. And I just want to have, like, an approach to songwriting that is as simple, but as memorable and as, you know, repeat listenable as Kim Deal songs. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, sure. like, none of us are the main or primary or sole songwriter for any of the songs on the record like we're all very collaborative but um i guess i feel like that's kind of what i bring is like simplicity or or hookiness mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i love that well you just mentioned that like you know there's not really a main songwriter so with that in mind kind of like how do you approach songwriting how did the record kind of start to come together greg you want to start with your riffs <laughs> <laughs> i'll start with let me start with my riffs uh, <laughs> that's how we start <laughs> yeah well so i bet like a lot of bands um goldfinch like a lot of bands <laughs> we uh, just saw a bird fly by <laughs> <laughs> i know i'm like we've a dog become, we've become avid bird watchers yeah, as of the yeah. <laughs> along with the rest of america who's indoors we're looking at our gardens more than ever yeah <laughs> um what was i talking about oh yeah my riffs yeah riffage so I usually just noodle around and come up with something and play it. Um, sometimes I'll mumble along, but usually it's just playing something on guitar and I'll send the note or play it for Natasha. And maybe she'll get lyric ideas or already has lyric ideas. Um, well, yeah. Okay, here. I'll pass the baton. Now it's, it's, in, it's to you. Yeah. So... Um, <laughs> um... I do a lot of the lyric writing for the band, though, you know, we all definitely contribute to the lyrics of the song. And I would say like for um, this set of songs specifically for Too Prickly for This World, a lot of the things that I was feeling very influenced by um, were just, you know, current events, current issues, um, the natural world, um, adult friendships, those kinds of things. Um, and, you know, once I've got kind of like a draft, um, that I sift through over and over again and try to refine, um, of course, like bounce that off of Greg, who I'm lucky is like an MFA in creative writing. So he's got a lot of good, like constructive opinions. And yet and... I cannot write rock lyrics to save my life. <laughs> like... You can tell I had a hand in songwriting for lyrics because there will only be like four distinct words in the entire song and they just <laughs> repeat over and over and over. Yes, in a race. That's a Greg song. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then, of course, um, getting input from Nicole as well. And I think, you know, when going through the process of writing lyrics, either like Greg might have a vocal melody in mind from when he was coming up with the riff or I might come up with something, but like not my strength vocal melodies. <laughs> and that's like where, um, you know, Nicole is like the absolute like pillar 
<laughs> of the band is when it comes to vocal melodies. Um, so many of the songs that we had started out that had, um, you know, like a single lead vocal, um, when Nicole writes what, like, some people would deem a harmony part, like, that becomes the lead or that becomes, like, the twin lead always. Um, and so that's always really cool to have this, like, germ of, of a musical idea and, like, Nicole just takes it to a different level. Um, and I would say over time, like, we've definitely been evolving in the way that the songs um, mm-hmm. have been written. So um, whereas, like, the process that we're describing now is something a lot more applicable to the record. Now um, we've been doing a lot more where like the germ of the idea comes from any person in the band doesn't necessarily start with a riff from Greg. And so that's been a really cool evolution as well. Um, And then for this record, I mean, so many of the um, like production choices, so many of the arrangement choices, um, came from Nicole and like <laughs> her amazing gift for um, arrangement and vocal harmonies and you know these like dancing bass lines. Uh, Nicole, do you want to talk about that process? Sure. Um, yeah, I like. I think I've always sort of heard vocals in many parts. I mean, I grew up listening to a lot of soul music, a lot of gospel music. Um, and so I always heard voices in many voices anyway. And then, you know, as I, um, as someone who was like, one time I didn't want to be friends with my friends in high school. Um, there was a time when I was happy and I was a cheerleader in middle school. <laughs> and I just very distinctly remember that voice changes happened and my voice was significantly lower than the other girls on the squad. <laughs> And, you know, at that time, most women you heard singing were like the pop princesses and everything was very high. And I was just like, I can't, I can't sing that. So I'd kind of make up my own versions to sing along anyway. Um, So a lot of that, um, a lot of that is where I got that sort of mentality of if I'm going to sing something, I'm going to sing it the way I can sing it. And it'll just match in some way what the other person is singing. So that's kind of what really came into play here when we first started playing together I actually didn't sing in the band I was very nervous about it I hadn't sang in public in front of people in a very long time unless it was like karaoke and um, I hadn't played bass in a while so I was trying to get back to feeling comfortable doing that so I focused on that first and then there was kind of this day where I was like you know I'd kind of like to try singing on this part and they're always super encouraging and it turned out to be pretty well and so I started to do that more often and add in those those vocal harmonies and and I've always had a knack for arrangement so just thinking about the way we wanted songs to sound how we can add a little bit of build to the second verse so it doesn't sound exactly the same as the first verse how can we give a little bit more to the chorus just those those types of elements I would really focus on as we developed as a band Um, so yeah, I think now I'm starting to get a bit more comfortable with at least attempting lyric ideas. Uh, but at first, a lot of it was just feeling comfortable with a 
theme or song idea and like sending that to the band and seeing what we can work with. I mean, I like the process of working together. I feel like it takes less pressure off of all of us to feel like we have to come up with a masterpiece in order to be willing, in order to feel like worthy of showing it to each other. It's like we can show things that are in pieces or phases and just see how we feel about them and grow, grow the song in that way. Each of you can kind of put your own talent into it and just kind of keep reshaping. It's almost like you're passing around like this, like if I were to put it in physical terms, like this piece of clay, right? And each of you kind of just start to shape it in your way. And it turns out into something that's really beautiful because each of you are kind of bringing your own talent into it. Like whether it's like Greg's riffs or, you know, um, Natasha's putting some lyrics in here and then you're really shaping it, Natasha, into something to where it's just like it, the shape of it just really means something. And it's so cool that you can all kind of combine your efforts into something that really is an awesome product, which is this record, you know? Well, and the, the reshaping and the re kind of ironing of things. Oh, here comes our neighbor in the drive. Hello. <laughs> but the going over, going back over something is the more we do it, the more I realize like that's the bulk of songwriting. It's the same as regular writing. Like it's not the first thing. It's the 100th thing that actually like the changes you make the 90th time you play a song is what makes it sound, you know, is what ironically makes it sound spontaneous and more alive, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think also, I just think it's so important for people to realize that there are so many ways to be a songwriter or a contributor. That's something that I struggled with a lot when we started because I kept feeling like if I wasn't contributing lyrics that I wasn't a songwriter. And, and all of those pieces are important. All of those pieces, you know, make a song what it is. Um, whether it's one person doing it or it's five people doing it you need those parts to come together. And, and I just think that's such an important message because media and, and just historically so much, so much emphasis has been put on, like the person who writes the lyrics is the songwriter. But so many people, I mean, we think of, you know, classical music, sometimes there's no l lyrics at all, but that is still music and that is still something that someone has created. Um, so just for other folks that might feel that same way out there, like, your contributions are so important and you know none of us we don't do this alone and we appreciate each part that everyone brings to the table it's what makes our band unique and what makes our sound unique well yeah I, like the the best bands are collaborations like true collaborations whether or not that's how they are credited um and if they aren't credited that way those bands usually break up after two you know not too much time but like the best ones it's like you're hearing something that no one person can really do it's like the convergence of three or more perspectives absolutely and i think a lot of people just because the way that like i think media and even record labels present things it's like even whenever you think of like mainstream pop stars and stuff people like to think that it's just the one person who wrote all that music and put it all together. But even somebody who's being packaged as a solo artist, they have whole teams behind them yeah, that are helping yeah. them and stuff. Yeah. So it's like, it's perfectly natural for like um, a bunch of people to weigh in on lyrics, a bunch of people to weigh in on, you know, 
the way this one particular riff might sound or the way that the drums might be set up on a song and stuff and it's like it's never just one person at the end of the day and if they are they're a prodigy and that's extremely yeah, yeah. rare right right <laughs> and and you can tell because they'll play with somebody else and it'll still sound identifiably like them but that's you know just not the case with us Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. I, I, and if anything, that collaboration, I think, is also more sustainable, I'm sure, as creatives, too, because it's like you get new ideas, not just from what you consume, but from each other, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's absolutely. Really, it's really interesting, too. Um, you mentioned the word prodigy. And every time I hear that now, I think of an interview I saw with Esperanza Spalding. And um, she's amazingly talented, obviously. And the interviewer was kind of like hitting on like, oh, and you're a prodigy and you're a prodigy. And she'd said, I wish that you wouldn't use that word to describe me as a musician because often when people do, they don't think about the work because she's like, yes, I'm a great player, but I've practiced and practiced and practiced and still practice and I'm still learning. And she felt like using prodigy sort of erased that work as if people think she just woke up one day and was playing the upright bass, you know, like she's extremely talented, but she also that came with a lot of work and, um, and, and still continues with a lot of work. Yeah, that makes complete sense because ultimately at the end of the day, it's like I think it's an image thing where it's like people project what they think an artist is or what they think a musician is or even what a band is, right? And then there's actually all this work that goes behind it. There's no such thing as an overnight sensation. You know, there's always somebody Mm -hmm. who is putting in work over time and it Mm -hmm. was not just yesterday. It was for years or it was over time building up into something. So, well, this. The stories that are easier to tell about a band are the ones that get told. And like the honest truth about most things of this band are it's kind of boring and like rote repetitious work. <laughs> and it isn't like one genius or, you know, a star songwriter. It's just like, and we're all three just kind of normal people writing and making music together. It's not an awesome story. <laughs> it's like, there's no, there's no hook that way. We just kind of have to play the best music that yeah. we can. Yeah, like the lightning in a bottle is like the alchemy of the three of us, not like any one individual, Um, which is cool, like to be a part of a collective um, that's accomplishing a lot together. Not not as easy to package, but it's more fun to be a part of. (laughs) Yeah. Even with this record, there are songs that are like some of the first songs we started working on, you know, five years ago, all the way up to like songs we were writing right before we went into the studio. So it's really a, a, a... piece of kind of just capturing that entire period of us learning to play together and and work together that makes complete sense since this is kind of your debut lp and stuff um what was maybe one of your favorite songs on the record that you kind of got to keep reshaping over that time that you're just like super proud of and be like yeah this is the one that we really worked at and it's it's the results are showing now in this record Nicole, do you want to talk about Electric Blizzard? <laughs> I was going to be like, let's let somebody else go first because I answered it last time. <laughs> okay, well, I can talk about it. Okay. Um, so Electric Blizzard, I think that's the second to last track. Is that right? Yeah. Track 10. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that is one of the very first songs that we wrote together. And actually the the riff was a pre-existing riff that greg had saved on like some demo tape from years before so i don't know how old was the riff at the time that we picked it up 
is already a few years old. Yeah, a few years old. I had to scroll pretty far back in the old uh, <laughs> I was audio say, notes on my phone. Yeah. Was it old enough was it old enough to be on an actual tape? Like, yeah, I was on curious. a reel to reel that I had up in my attic next to a treasure chest. Aha. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Um and yeah, so when <laughs> like I actually not that long ago like heard the original iteration of the riff and kind of the direction it ended up going which like didn't work super well which is why you wouldn't have used it at the time greg um but together you know we took the riff um put together the song and it's something that we've played live for a pretty long time um and when we went to record the song we just realized like okay this is what we can do to bring the song to life live, but on record, it's just really not working when you're not seeing us like together performing live, like just the um, feeling and aesthetic of all being together in one room. And so we're like, we have to do something, but we don't know what. This um, song is boring. It needs something. I know. It was like getting... Especially as an older song, like yeah. after playing it five years or whatever. Yeah. And maybe not boring to other people, but to us, we were like, we got to do something with this. Um, so I don't know what all we ended up adding. One of the big pieces was um, a vocal part that Nicole and I do together. And um, the idea for the vocal that I added came to me as I was like you know in kind of like the twilight area between sleep and awake like an afternoon nap and was just like before I was falling asleep thinking I gotta I want to do something with this Um, and so just a vocal line came to mind that was just some ooze Um, so added that shared it with um, Nicole and with Greg um, and what else did we, did we add other things? I mean, that was kind of the, the We driver. added them in the verse and then in, in the kind of what was previously a wordless chorus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think when you, so when Natasha added that first sort of vocal line, I heard it cause you guys had recorded it. And then I added more on top of that. It's just like layered more, uh, vocal harmonies on top of that. And, and we did that in a couple different places throughout the song. I really like it because, I mean, the song is called Electric Blizzard. Um, it's about a weather phenomenon that Nebraska girl over there can destru- describe. <laughs> um, but I think in, in that case, I feel like those add the sound of wind to the song. Um, and that's what I've always really liked about them. It um, makes it feel colder when, with yeah. those ooze on there for oh some reason. Oh my gosh, yeah. my jaw just dropped open because I've never thought of that. And you've never shared that. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my gosh, really? That's so funny. Wow. And that's like years after playing a song. It, like right. songs just aren't necessarily done, you know, until they're done. Yeah, until we have to force ourselves to be like, okay, it's done for the purpose of this record, but we'll probably still keep yeah. <laughs> tweaking it. I like it though because it can remain living art you know you can always do something different in a live performance or if you do like a special like EP release or whatever where you've like done another um, round of changes that you feel like make that song that much more richer and stuff like songs don't have to stay in one way and I love that you kind of keep reshaping and 
um, innovating on your music. That's so cool. That could that could be the hook for our band. We just keep releasing the same record, but we make little changes. <laughs> just redo the We make songs little changes. Time. It'll be like Leaves of Grass, the record, and we just yes. make little changes in every couple of years. It's oh like, my gosh. So... Don't George Lucas your records, okay? <laughs> this made me think of Chuck Berry and how many times like Johnny B. Good's riff has been used uh, throughout yeah. his music. Wow. Just change the words around, same riff, keep it going. I like the record before they, the fourth iteration where they put the Wampa Rats in at the beginning. I could have done without that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. There are so many great songs on this record, though, honestly. like To kind of pick out like some favorites here. I mean, you had your single, Let's Hang Out, which is fantastic. Um, I feel like it's definitely the kind of song where I feel like it kind of harkens the idea of like the people that you kind of connect to and stuff that maybe get you through weird moments and stuff, whether yes. it's like, for me, it's like, it's, it could be something that's like in a physical manifestation, like a storm or a season, or it can be the shit of the world that we yeah. live in right yeah. now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like yeah. the timeliness was pretty good. Cause I literally thought about like my quarantine situation stuff and it's like, well, at least I got my boyfriend, right. You know, <laughs> you're making part, you're making this purgatory fun kind of yeah, thing. I actually yeah, like, yeah. I've said yeah. something yeah. similar like that to him before and stuff. And I just love the mood of this song and what you're kind of like saying, both within the music itself. And of course the lyrics, can you kind of talk about this song and what it means to y'all? Sure, I guess I'll start. Um, so this was one of the song ideas that I had brought in after reading an article that was something to the lines of um, things you can do with people that don't revolve around like going out for coffee or drinks and sort of the pressure to meet up just to do something. Like we gotta meet up for dinner, we gotta meet up for this. And like also the pressure to meet up to spend money. And like we used to just meet up to hang out. We used to just spend time with people. You know, when you were a kid, you used to just call up your friend and then like ride your bike to their house it was just very common to just spend time with people and not have a reason behind it besides just wanting to spend time with the people that you enjoy hanging out with and so I brought that idea to them and I think at first it was like I had written some scratch lyrical ideas where that were just like fun things to do with your friends um and Natasha really kind of ran with that and started writing what became the lyrics for that song so i'll pass the baton to natasha <laughs> yeah so um you know a lot of the things that you had just described amanda around um how the words resonated with you those were kind of the things that i was thinking about um when nicole came with this idea of you know this concept of let's hang out and um just taking her idea like the next step further of what it meant to me and thinking about like who are those people who you can just call up to just hang out with or who are those people who you don't have to make you know formalized plans with to just spend time with comfortably and as like a very introverted person um i feel like my list is pretty short <laughs> um, of, you know, we can relate yeah, very yeah, much so yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and just you know thinking about um just different um like very personal challenges that um i'd gone through as well as like collective challenges that um you know the band and the greater world are going through um just wanted to reflect on, you know, 
what it means to have those people who are like tried and true um, folks who you can rely on like when you're just like grinding through the difficult um, parts of life and who can help you kind of like tune out um, some of the noise and like have moments of like quiet and peace despite um, you know having like <laughs> a stressful existence. <laughs> For sure. And it means a lot to know and to like have a song like that kind of in your mind because if anything, it makes you kind of reflect on those relationships that do kind of make those hard moments or those weird times feel a little less weird and hard, you know? (laughs) And immediately just, I immediately just started thinking of the people who are like that, whether it's like a situation like, of course, the pandemic, but also like you know, being in Florida, I've had my times where I've spent days locked in the house because a hurricane's blowing right, through with the right. same group of people. Wow. Or, wow. you know, it's situations where it's like with our political climate and stuff, who are the people that I feel like I can talk to about yeah. the shit yeah. show, yeah. you know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's, it's really nice to have that song that focuses in on that. So that was super special. But then also, I love the energy that comes into it musically because just the way that like, the riffs are structured here and stuff. <laughs> it's like, it's very upbeat. It's high energy. It like sonically, it reminds me of that feeling of whenever I get a text from one of my more like outgoing friends of like, hey, let's let's just like hang out. I'm gonna come over or like something like that where you have that person kind of like grabbing you and be like, let's have fun. Remember yeah. what fun yeah. is, we're gonna have fun. And I like how you found a way to do that musically too in the song. Oh, well, this, that's so cool. This um, is- Oh, yeah, I was going to say, you should talk about the tuning, too, and just, like, the... Well, but initially, too, the, this was one where it came from a bass riff, initially. Because we were playing together... This was one of our very infrequent jams where there is nothing uh, to start with, and Nicole was just playing... Or maybe you did have this part already, Nicole, and you started playing, and then I started playing uh, my part on this uh, weirdly tuned guitar I had just sort of <laughs> devised. I I went out and found I had my nice guitar and I for some reason I think we were listening to like Ty Siegel or something like that where or, or no it was Torch because <laughs> they, I found out I found out that they tuned like uh, some of their, their low strings are secret. yeah some of their low strings <laughs> down to A from you know E and so I tried doing that on my nice guitar and I was like hey this is awesome this sounds weird but it's destroying the neck of this guitar. I should find like a cheap guitar. So I went and found like a $80 guitar and I had them kind of special up the bridge and put in super heavy gauge strings so I could tune all of the three lowest strings to A. And then all that needed to happen next was like have a part (laughs) for, for this guitar to exist. And so Nicole was playing that bass line and then I started doing that uh down 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 thing and uh and then yeah the song that came after other parts of the song but Mm -hmm. i think all of it just came from jamming yep yeah totally and that guitar doesn't stay in tune and it sounds kind of sloppy but that's sort of the nature of that song (laughs) yes it goes out of tune within the course of one song being played we have two songs that we typically play like in a live show back to back that use that guitar and that's it for old pinky after two you cannot (laughs) yeah you cannot get another song out of it in tune well usually you have to tune between the two songs even yeah it gives nicole a chance to talk to the audience (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's funny like someone pointed it out to me that 
Like it's this fun, inner, high energy song, but the first lyric is terrified of the news today. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, that's just so topical it's and so, so yeah. just present for, and that, that song, we wrote that like, what, two years ago? And mm-hmm. it's like, it's never, we've never really had a moment where I can't say that I've felt, <laughs> oh gosh, what's going to happen today? What's, what's the news now? Yeah. So it just feels very appropriate. It is. It is unfortunately evergreen. Yeah. <laughs> As we then try to sort through our day and like smile when we need to. And on the inside, we're just like, oh gosh, this yeah. sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know it probably sounds super privileged here, but I miss the days when it felt like there was no news. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I know. Well, and then, but when I travel back to say, even before. Donald Trump seemed like a viable candidate for fucking political office. Even when I go back before that, it's like, God, there's still so many creeps just in in powerful positions that are controlling so much. Yeah. So I don't know that I ever felt like, like I, you know, I said earlier, my, my tenure was celebrating, uh, graduated in 2000 in high school. And what it feels like now still kind of felt like then when Bush, you know, was kind of the first second place president of my lifetime and then started a war premised on a lie and then almost destroyed an American city by a lackluster reaction. And it's like, God damn, like it's always felt like this since I've been an adult. Sorry. Mm. That's, <laughs> that's darker. Thing. It's true though. Honestly. Too, like iteration of the negativity. It's like, boy, I wish it was like 2003 again, or, Oh, I wish it was like 2008 again. It's sad when you start to think that way. I literally, like, it makes me sincerely miss being a child because I think that's the last time I remembered there not being something grotesquely terrible yeah. going yeah. on in the world or in the news. And then maybe it's just because it's like you were blissfully aware, unaware at that exactly, point. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, where it's, it's a strange existence. Well, and especially now, you, you just can't not know. Like, even kids now, like, I've worked with kind of younger students recently, and they just consume so much more news than kids I, when I was, you know, in high school or middle school ever could have, just because it's not in our pockets all day, every day. Yeah, I mean, I remember being a particularly weird child, considering I was in fourth grade watching the Colbert Report. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of knew about shit, and I'm like, I shouldn't know about this. I should be, like, playing with, like, Legos or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's like, I remember like, just, just even like in the nineties, knowing way too much probably. Yeah. And it's just, it yeah. feels like with every generation, they're, they're just getting exposed to so, so much. And I'm just like, yikes, no wonder why we are the way we are. Cause there's just, it, it feels inescapable now. Mm-hmm. Well, there's always, I don't know, hopefully, I don't know. I don't want to sound stupidly optimistic. No, there's no. always a balance though. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the kind of abhorrent, uh, 2016 election resulted in like the at the time until this year the biggest protests in american history and so you saw like people in indiana which is not a progressive place like all these progressives and liberal-minded or otherwise minded people saw each other it's like they all came out of uh wherever they were hiding because they lived in indiana and so suddenly you have these people in the streets, like literally in the streets by the thousands who suddenly found each other after this terrible thing had happened. Uh, and, you know, I don't know. It's harder 
harder to see that right now because we're all still like I can't even see either of your faces right now so it's hard to say that we're all finding each other again but there's yeah. you know obviously a, an historic civil rights movement happening now that's bigger than anything planet earth has seen so it's yeah, those moments definitely needed to happen. So that's de you're right to point that out for sure, though, because like these are things that have been bubbling to, for a lot of people. They felt under the surface. Truly, it's been happening this entire time for people of color and LGBT folks and stuff. But, you know, it's like now it's in the forefront and you can't escape it. And it's important to have those conversations and take action specifically. It's a really Taking action. Yeah. So important. Yeah. It's just a relief to see when someone pushes the envelope that people push back. Like even before in, well, never mind. <laughs> Any other songs that stood out to you that you'd like to talk about? Oh wait, no. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I thought you were still going with the other thing. I don't know it. No, all good. Um, so, yeah, I actually have two. More. I have several more actually. Uh, <laughs> It's hard to, it was really hard for me to narrow down one specifically for this record because they're so incredible. Um, Girl Cactus, of course, for me, felt like such a powerful song because I feel like at some points, and I may have been mishearing the lyrics, so I may be totally quoting these wrong here, but like the whole, you want me around, but you don't want to hear about me and stuff to me was super important because I feel like that's such a conversation that a lot of people are kind of having right now. And I also feel like it, the song in particular, I feel like embodies a lot of what I thought was being said with the whole um, too prickly for this world kind of feeling of like being able to just kind of like, be like, yeah, I'm gonna make you uncomfortable with what I'm talking about sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was super important lyrically and I feel like this was also matched with some really powerful stuff because I felt like the drums and guitar were just stomping in the way <laughs> that like, but, and it was so cool because it was like, I felt like that was just like the stomping sharpness that just backed what was being said here. And I thought that was so freaking cool and important. Can y'all kind of talk about this song too? Who wants to start? Nicole, that's your uh, <laughs> chorus. That is, uh, so yeah, that is a chorus that I came up with. Um, and I don't, I think you said something really great about people hearing things and hearing them the way that they hear them, because I think it's equally important that when you write something and then someone else hears it, they're like, even among us, we hear different things in our songs and the way that we interpret them. Um, so the lyrics I wrote for that chorus was, you want me around, you don't want to be around me. And I had been thinking specifically about a just really not great relationship I had been in where someone wanted to take up, you know, all of my time and my space, you know, they wanted to text and do all these things. But when it came to actually like being in a relationship, it was like, oh, uh, I don't really have time for this, or I got to check my schedule or, you know, those kind of situations that we find ourselves in as we grow as people. And it was just so frustrating thinking about that and that's kind of where that line came from like I felt like this person wanted me around when it was appropriate for them um, when it matched their schedule and their time but they didn't actually want to be around me like when you are in it with someone and you both care about someone you want to be around each other um, and so that's where where that line came from and it's just 
it, the song was already written at that point. We already had all the other lyrics and everything. And it was it previously had just been an instrumental chorus until that part sort of came together. And I just think that's something that we can relate to in so many levels. I mean, it comes to me even more now as we're in this period where so many people are like, oh, we're going to make a statement and speak out mm -hmm. about racial justice and, and racism is wrong. And they want to surround themselves with, you know, let's amplify the voices. Let's do this and do that. But in actual changing internally and like doing the internal work and actually surrounding yourselves with new people um, in whatever safe way you can, you know, um, there is that line that that people are often not willing to cross in terms of looking internally for change. They want all the appeal. They want the credit for being a good person and being on the right side of history. But when it comes to actually looking internally as to why we are still having these problems, you find that, you know, people have not diversified their circle of friends. They're, mm. they're still in this echo chamber of the same people. They're not really putting those voices into practice in their lives as much as they are doing the performative acts on social media to show that they care or that they're, you know, learning, but, but not really putting things in practice. Um, so, so I love that lyrics can be like that. You can, you can have so many different meanings from something and, and that's really what it started out in, you know, terrible relationship. Don't waste your time with people who don't want to spend time with you. Um, but also don't waste your time on people who can't, actually put in the effort in in so many ways if people can't put in the effort with you it's probably not worth it one-sided friendships and one-sided relationships they never really end up working out for the best yeah that makes complete sense and like I think that's what's so great about writing a song that has the tone of relationships because then so many people can apply that to so many different types of relationships yeah. they have right mm -hmm. it could be like a romantic relationship that's gone bad it could be a platonic relationship with like a friend or a mm -hmm. colleague or whatever you know it doesn't matter you can still have those same sort of like feelings that you're processing whenever it comes to um the way people spend time with you or the way people communicate with you and stuff in particular what they do and don't want to hear that's something that i've been um learning about too and stuff and it's just so interesting because your song i feel like tackles so many different experiences and it feels very universal in that way for sure maybe that's another advantage of like three people all equally writing a song is that you just kind of necessarily have a bunch of different perspectives or readings mm -hmm. available mm -hmm. yeah natasha anything about the rest of the lyrics no i think you covered it thank you though <laughs> i appreciate you uh passing it off but yeah um I who's do got the baton <laughs> i know it's back to amanda <laughs> interviews with white patrol are just a massive relay race <laughs> oh my gosh i feel like it would be even funnier in person for that honestly <laughs> um yeah if anything i feel like the last two songs i'm gonna kind of string them together a bit i got really excited about were like starlight sun and then absolute because i feel like these were kind of like tonally shifting songs for you because like with starlight sun i felt like there was like kind of this more like folk banjo inflection and stuff a lot of harmonies that are gorgeous here same kind of happened a little bit with an absolute tube it felt like it was like kind of like a softened conclusion here but it felt like it was very punching whether it was within specifically it felt like with what you were saying when it comes to like i feel like you kind of talked about some things that within that song that we kind of talked a little bit about earlier with like the whole like sometimes pedestal concept and stuff mm -hmm. and like 
it seemed like also perception of leadership, particularly it seems like toward women is what I kind of gathered from it. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. maybe you can talk so, some more about like absolute, like what does this song mean to y'all? And what were you kind of trying to say here, both um, musically and lyrically? Me? You. Okay. <laughs> starts with you thanks yeah. for listening so closely yeah, by the way that totally. was, that's, that's great yeah um so i would say um just with starlight sun to go back to that song um that was a lot of the ideas floating around in my head writing the lyrics for that um it was really focused on uh, a specific friendship between women um and um just the dynamics of that relationship and and some <laughs> even like made up specifics about the relationship that aren't even necessarily reflective of real life um, but that was um, like a, a special uh, reflection on like relationships uh, between women or like literal sisterhood <laughs> like a lot of it was inspired by uh, my actual sister um, and in terms of absolute um, something that was on my mind a lot at the time um, were just these kind of ideas that were starting to be challenged around, um, you know, what it means, um, like, <laughs> how do I say it? Um, just challenging some thoughts around, like, how far, like, representation can go in terms of you know, women having opportunities to be in positions of power, but then... And I thought that was such a cool thing to bring into the conclusion of the song because it's in the conclusion of the record too, because it actually gave me as a listener something to chew on and think about whenever the record stopped playing. Of course, granted, I had the record on loop and I wanted to keep listening again. again. Oh, cool. But cool. Awesome. I, did, awesome. I, did, I, did, I did pause for a second and think about what you had there because it was like really powerful. Um, yeah. Just what a really meaningful thought to end your record on, for sure. What, what galvanized that song for me was Nicole kind of having it, having the title "Absolute," and the kind of uh, the second half of the song is built around a part that Nicole originally wrote on ukulele, right? Mm-hmm. And it had a very uh, monarchical, royal <laughs> sound to it. Mm -hmm. And so just those two concepts of royalty and absolutism kind of were images that, yeah, galvanized the rest of the song as like, you know, a rejection of absolutism of, of any kind. Yeah, and I came up with that ukulele part while watching The Crown yeah. on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> so it sort of all like strangely came together because at the time we weren't like that song kind of finished where it did and and that other part that came together, I had been watching this particular episode and was just kind of toying around and found something I liked and sent it to them, not knowing if it would, like it wasn't sent as if like, this could add to that song. It's like, hey, I've been working on this part and it sounds really interesting and maybe we could do something with it. And it ended up being like hooked onto the song and that it just gave that song a whole new life, like yeah. a whole extra half that had not existed in it just it like when we really think about us as collaborators i just felt like that was such a nice way to see us work together and just put parts together and just everybody had such a hand in that song 
Yeah, totally. Well, and I don't remember what, like, made it click. But yeah, we'd had this, like, voice memo of um, the ukulele part. And I think... I don't know what would have prompted me to realize, but I was like, uh, what the heck? Like, this is so, like, yeah, monarchy sounding and then thinking about just the themes, the lyrical themes of the song as it existed. I was like, what What would this sound like stitched together? And it was, like, perfect how <laughs> it came together, even though, yeah, the intention was not necessarily for all the parts to be linked. Um, and I think, um, Greg, you did some writing of the lyrics in the bridge too right uh i you did uh, i yeah. did yeah okay. sometimes yeah like it goes back and forth so much it is hard to remember yeah. what comes from where which yeah. is good like that means like it's kind of coming from everywhere but mm-hmm. um yeah i think maybe after those two concepts had already come together what natasha had and what nicole had brought and i kind of understood more or maybe the song had become a clearer expression of this notion that you know the old bromide absolute power corrupts absolutely no matter who you are um sort of uh, provoked the idea that you know heroes are are not literally real i mean heroes are like greek myths they're they're icons or or Mm -hmm. you know ideals to which we aspire but they aren't actually real people and when you kind of put that on people you are you know preparing a failure of some kind maybe mm-hmm. um so it yeah that's sort of what was undergirding the idea of no more heroes kings or queens mm-hmm. yeah and then the one other um puzzle piece actually came in the studio um there's like a keyboard part that's part of the song that um our producer um david hazel he it was his idea to add the part and i mean like that's what the record ends on was this this really cool part that he had added um so we haven't talked much about him but he was an incredible collaborator throughout the recording process um very supportive um just an incredible musician and you know absolute is an example where like his hand was very present in um what ended up being on the record um compared to like what we came into the studio with Mm -hmm. i think it's also i think it's also interesting that that song in so many places is so bare bones for us where you know a lot of our other songs are so full and we're trying to like really fill space like it starts out with a solo guitar, comes in with like a solo voice, then like Natasha and I will harmonize in some parts. And then like when Greg comes in, it's just Greg singing. You know, there's all these places where we're very isolated, where we are not in other places in the album. Um, but yet at the end, we all sing together. And I just think that that's so in a way symbolic of us as a band and the way that we do things. So it's it's kind of nice to wrap it I up in that way. It that way. That's true. Yeah. I'm, I'm really starting cool. to like this band. <laughs> <laughs> that never occurred to me. Yeah. 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 It's cool, though, because it feels like, if anything, absolutely, the reason why I want to talk about that is because it's like, if anything, you feel like 
with it being a little bit more bare bones of a song, it still feels like the epitome of what your band is doing with the collaboration, with the um, different styles that are kind of being applied here, the messaging you've got there, all of it was just like, if anything, I'm like, ooh, this is like a very definitive song for y'all. So I love okay. it. And it's oh, brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> I love this. Um, so, you know, I've injected a lot of thoughts here around this record, but I'm kind of curious, what does Too Prickly for This World mean to you all? Hmm. For me, I think it's just a great, I think it's a great collection of songs that, I guess I like to think of it in the fact that there are so many different styles and influences on this album and i feel like there's just often this pressure to be one thing like this is your defined sound this is who you are and and that's just not true of anyone who listens to music like i can't think of a single person who only listens to one type of music and that's it Mm -hmm. like it's just this it's so like it's so hard when people say like what kind of music do you like and you're like well you know like everybody listens to a lot of different types of music especially if you make music or you know it's just your regular go-to to to feel good to describe your mood to feel sad there are so many different things that you listen to and are inspired by and I really love that we didn't push ourselves to try to fit everything into one box or one style or feel like we had to be that and I think that's so important for people to recognize and understand is that you don't have to package everything into one polished thing you can be all of those parts of yourself all of us are made up of so many different things that that really get us through the days all these experiences that bring us to the next day and the next person that you are um and so I really feel like that is is what this record is is all those different pieces of us as individuals all those different pieces of us together as a band all those experiences we've had individually that sometimes we've talked about and that's where songs have come from you know it's just it's a real collection of all of these parts and and not having to feel pressure to choose one to represent who you are and like we were saying before it makes it tough to package and it's a tough story to tell quickly to a lot of people but that's okay like the fun part you know i mean we're very easygoing people when it comes to the interacting with others of of being in a band like going to the show getting there on time loading up on stage getting our crap off stage quickly and and doing other things that stuff's we're very collaborative and fine but when it comes to like music and how we do this and how things look and how things sound and that is stuff we're all three very particular about because we want it to be the things we like like the most rewarding part of the band is just playing the music and coming up with the songs. It's not the being packaged and, and presented to people. It's the being together and playing. So as long as that is preserved, absolutely, uh, so to speak, so that, you know, we can, you know, and the way we want to do that may not mean, it may mean, you know, we don't get like 
label attention or, or other kinds of attention because it's so strange or so multi-genre-ish, that's fine because that's still like what's fun about it is doing all that stuff ourselves. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, and who wants to make it right now? <laughs> I mean, what is, what is, you know, you just give up so much, you know? I, I've, I've known musicians who have really gone for it and you just have to give up so much to do that, to do it that way. Like first you have to do it a particular way, which may not be, which may not suit you. And then you don't even get to do everything you want musically necessarily. Hmm. Like if we want to play a saxophone or a, a <laughs> ukulele, like that may be discouraged hmm. because it's suddenly very confusing to hear a saxophone in a very heavy song. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes. PJ Harvey did it for a whole album and it worked out great for her. What album's that? <laughs> Which one is that, Nicole? Um, the Hope Six Demolition Project. Ooh, I've never even heard of that. When was that? Yeah, you've heard. We played it before. You, we'll we'll cover this later, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> huh? <laughs> we will cover this later. <laughs> you know, you all kind of mentioned about having different experiences and bringing them together in this record, kind of having different perspectives too. I'm kind of curious because I brought up a bunch of songs that I love on this record. I could have talked about every single song, but we would have been here for four or five hours um, i'm kind of curious do each of you have maybe a favorite song on the record that you really gravitate to i'll go <laughs> i love the song valentine citrus it is my absolute favorite on the album i didn't even think i would pick a favorite because i'm like they're all so great but like i just i think it sounds beautiful it's another one of those songs that's a bit more of a ballad than the other stuff that we do and I just love the way it sounds. I love that it came out so well. It was one of the songs that we were still finishing up when we started recording, but also one of the first ones we laid down just to get like the basic tracks and, and work with. And I just think it sounds really lovely. And it just, it just really shows a lot of our strengths in different ways. And so I just, I think it's a great song. I think the lyrics are awesome. I think the story of it is great. And, uh, I just, it's a beautiful song. My current fave is Spyro, I think. Because I, we were, that one's where, like, its arrangement is very interesting. Uh, Nicole and I's voices together sound pretty good on that one. And um, the turnaround that happens kind of halfway through, we hit, like, some cool, like, I'm, we mentioned Go-Go's before this started. That's not, like, a Go-Go sounding thing, but I feel like we hit an energy that's very Go-Go's like during the, uh, mm -hmm. I'm in a wasteland part, and so I, I always, those are, like, moments I really want more of in, in songs that I help to write, so that's, that's the one for me. I also added a lot of vocal harmonies to that song. <laughs> during, yeah, like, well <laughs> after we'd recorded it, like, we were mixing, and we were like, gosh, does this need something still? And so David set up a microphone and Nicole just went over literally one take, I think, Nicole. And we just went over it and it was like suddenly these very country harmonies on the second verse. Like before going into the thing, I'm like, well, that didn't even exist. Before. <laughs> totally. What's your favorite, Natasha? Um, well, I don't have a favorite, but I would say my favorite, like right this second um 
I really like your mother. Um, that song just hits really hard. Um, I like the very um, kind of dark and moody visuals that the the lyrics evoke. Um, and um, the song was inspired by um, just <laughs> being Hoosiers, witnessing like a certain Hoosier ascend to a certain position uh, in the country that we've been dealing <laughs> with for the last four years. And even before he was vice president, though, we had yeah. big problems with that. Yeah. Table. Yeah. So, you know, just um, it's like a very <laughs> kind of escapist um fantasy song but um yeah i like it and it's tough and some witchy revenge yeah for sure and it's heavy yeah <laughs> everyone gets to play really cool parts on it too so it usually blows people's hair back too especially if we play it first at a set and people haven't seen us before they're not expecting that usually and yeah. so when that song starts it's cool to see people be like what is this band yeah <laughs> yeah people are always like what is happening <laughs> that's fantastic oh my gosh i love it well those are all fantastic songs all of them were ones on my list of like possibly do i talk about this because oh cool oh cool like like i said it was one of those things where i'm just like shit i usually try to only pick like three to four to talk about because like i said i can talk about songs till like the sun goes down <laughs> honestly like uh it, it's fantastic and i'm really happy with what y'all have here because it's it definitely was a record i needed to hear that you had you're, you're sharing with everybody it's oh, so good. great thank you oh good thank, thank you so much. thank you yeah of course <laughs> yeah so you have this record dropping in september which is really exciting um, is there anything else you're kind of working on this year? Do you have any kind of goals as a band of stuff you want to be able to try next? I think the next one is already starting to shape up and we are preparing for recording, like not imminently, but we are, we're getting our ducks in a row. So it won't take five years for the next one. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Yeah, something I'm really excited about um, is something I alluded to a little bit earlier is just that I feel like we're all trying new things in our songwriting process. So kind of breaking out of the existing structure that we had previously and, um, you know, ideas are coming from everywhere in different ways that we're all like trying out for the first time. Um, so that's really cool. And I feel like, um, you know, earlier this year, we spent some time recording some cover songs remotely, um, three different songs that we recorded while in isolation. Um, and some of the things that we picked up during that process, just to, as it relates to like recording, um, I guess, techniques and recording strengths when we're not like together recording, um, is something that I think we're going to take moving forward and I think has empowered us in a lot of ways um, as we start to um, write new material. Um, I think previously we weren't working so much in the vein of like recording to write, which is actually how our producer, David Hazel, um, works. He typically has 
entirely recorded a song um, before he like takes it to the rest of his band. Um, and we, I feel like really workshop stuff like together in the basement live and then like recording came at like the very end. We would have like voice memos and things to, to help ourselves learn. But in terms of having like a more polished project, um, that just wasn't something that we did on the early end. But as we're all kind of adopting, um, more, uh, recording confidence (laughs) it's allowing us to be a little bit more proactive around um recording to write if that makes sense that's exciting i love to hear that and i can't wait to hear more of what y'all have to say musically and lyrically here because uh this is fantastic (laughs) yeah you're welcome so I always like to round out the interview with this question. If you could play a show with any three bands or artists, they can be currently active or you can bring them back from the dead. Who would it be? And you can each pick three. I won't make you all vote on a, a singular three. <laughs> I got mine. Okay, go for it. So we ourselves play with three other bands. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm just trying to figure out where we go in the lineup. I want to make <laughs> oh sure gosh, Greg. for maximum impact. I guess we would open it. I hate to play it because this will probably be an outdoor thing, but you know, COVID. But um, <laughs> I think us then 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 the breeders circa 1999 2000. Then the Runaways, then the Go Go's. Oh my gosh, that'd be a fun show! Wow, fun I show. love this. I'd go to that. I think I have it. <laughs> I'd go to my own show. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's an ascending order of impact. Okay, <laughs> Nicole, do you know yet, or are you still noodling? I'm still, I'm still working on the last van. Hmm. Okay. Well, I would like to play with, (laughs) gosh, well, I've been really digging um, this artist called Spring Silver, Um, and I don't know where they're from. I think that they are a solo artist, and they've done, like, everything for their record, um, which is called Natural World, I believe. Would love to play with them. Um, would love to play with Weird Al. (laughs) Would love to play with, oh my gosh, it's so hard, like, choosing the last one because I want it to be, like, the B-52s and, like, Devo and the Breeders, probably. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) It's so hard. That's, like... Yeah, you get the idea. That's a good call on Spring Silver, though. I did not pick a single band we could actually play with. Spring so. Silver. Spring Silver is just like incredible. There is this band. I think they still exist in iterations now, but they were an early like black band of sisters called ESG. <gasps> yeah. Oh yeah. I would love to do a show with them then or now like (laughs) i feel like they'd be a good green room hang too yeah 
that would just be great to play with them. Um, there's a band in the UK called Big Joni. I would love to play a, play a set with them. They seem like really great. I think they do a lot of great things like Decolonize Fest and stuff. It'd just be great to, to play together. Um, and be, they're so good. And then uh, the band I mentioned earlier, the Courtney's, I would love to play with them as well. They just seem to be a really good time and great music. I love everybody's picks. These are all fantastic. And um, I hope that some of these can become attainable at some point because I always like to see where where bands end up next. So this is super cool. Your picks, I feel like, say so much about like your personalities and your tastes and stuff. So that's really freaking cool. And I love it. Awesome. <laughs> Thank That's a good question. It yeah. really like, I was like, oh, I got to think about this. I know. Because I mean, obviously, I would also love to play with Slater Kinney. 100%. Yes. Yeah, totally. <laughs> You never know. I feel like they're they're touring. Well, they were touring before the pandemic a fair bit and stuff yeah. again. Yeah. So you yeah. never know. Those kind of opportunities could totally happen. Open up. All of my bands are broken up. <laughs> you could start up Bands Reunited again. Did anybody watch that on VH1? They used to have a TV show called Bands Reunited where they yeah. tried to like get the bands back together. And sometimes it worked out, but sometimes they were just like, we just have too much bad blood and we're, moved. we're not going to do it. And and that was really And that was the so. show? They would air an episode where they didn't get back together? There was, like, one or two, I think, where they didn't, or maybe one person didn't want to, like, join in. Bummer. But, yeah. Wow. Fans are united. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they all got together. But I feel like there was at least one where either it didn't work out or it was very, very, very close to not working out. <laughs> That's wild. That's amazing. Oh, my gosh. Great television. Great television. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. That's um that's some good reality TV there. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's been so much fun talking to y'all. Um, everybody's gonna have to be sure that they check out uh, Too Prickly for This World. Um, where can everybody keep up with Wife Patrol on the internet? We have a website, wifepatrolband.com, but we're also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all those things at, at Wife Patrol, and that's where we... Uh, talk about what's going on we're pretty active on instagram so if you are on that as well definitely give us a follow if you want to know what's going on and they can get the album on bandcamp awesome all right well thanks so much for joining y'all this has been amazing everybody please please check out wife patrol they're fantastic thank you so much thank you Great talking to you. Fun. stay safe <laughs>
just heard Wife Patrol. Thank you so much to Nicole, Natasha, and Greg for hanging out and sharing so much of their band's story. Be sure to grab Too Prickly for This World everywhere you listen to music. This record is fantastic and out in September. That's it for this week, but you can always keep up with Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion online. Find episodes, links, articles, and more at angrygirlmusic.com. Get in touch with me through email at angrygirlmusic at gmail.com or on Twitter and Instagram at, at angrygirlmusic. If you're interested in being a guest on the pod, please reach out. Let's chat about what you're working on. Pledge your support for Angry Girl Music at the Indie Rock Persuasion on Patreon at patreon.com slash angrygirlmusic. Special thanks to our monthly patrons Molly O'Malley, Kendra Mamula, Carly Commando, John Kitsy Kitzmiller, Sam Zarwitz, and Orla Tinsey. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay angry and stay prickly. Love you all. Bye for now.